Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a podcast devoted to all things in and around the world of sporting Kansas City soccer. I am Drew Vanderplug, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. This week on the podcast, Sporting Kansas City is the hottest team in MLS, and we totally all saw that coming, right? One of one thing we did cover time and time again is that this team goes the way its spine does, especially in the defensive midfield and striker positions, and those have been key to this recent run of form. A couple other players have been welcome bright spots are that are both Marinos Chinese and Tim Leibold. Both of them came in just as injuries took hold of the players previously covering, covering those positions, and you're starting to see why they were both signed. We'll look a little deeper into their performances and why they seem to be fitting in so well. The U.S. Men's National Team gets back into the swing of competitive play this week with the Nations League final games occurring in Las Vegas and the Gold Cup to follow. A player we will all recognize made the latter roster, and we'll be good to see him play after a year spent off of any noticeable television. Finally, we preview the match against LAFC and hope they show up to Children's Mercy Park just <laughs> as disinterested as they were in Houston last Saturday. Mm. Cody, as we as I noted a couple seconds ago, we've banged the drum hard regarding how important it is for the success of this team and its system to have a quality defensive midfielder. Rarely are things going to jump off the stats page when it comes to Nemanja Radia. But if you track him closely, you immediately see his quality, intelligence, steadiness that was really so absent for Sporting Kansas City up to his inclusion. Yeah, he's I mean, he's everything that, that we kind of sat around hoping for and wishing for. I mean, you know, my, my personal preference is, is uh, for midfield destroyers because uh, I just... I just love seeing somebody get lit up in the midfield, but, uh, but, and that, that he, he doesn't really have that in his game, but he is, uh, he's a, a quality, uh, defensive presence. Um, he, um, he did, uh, he did make quite a few tackles on, um, uh, this past weekend and, uh, uh, more so than that. And even more so than his passing, which is something we talked about. Um, I think last week, he's not, he's not like the passer that Ilya, uh, is or was, uh, but he just has a calming presence. He's super press resistant. He, he just stabilizes the entire midfield structure. And for the, for the, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth game in a row, we see, you know, a passing map that has his as the, that has him as the central hub and um and i think it really um i think it really just did uh, a great job in uh enforcing austin to play our game now i, I will say that he I, I do think that um he was he was kind of joined uh, in the midfield by Voltaire. They kind of sort of played maybe the closest that we've seen this season to, to uh, a double pivot kind of structure. Uh, and I think that that was really mostly to allow Leibold to to really get forward. And Leibold was super far forward most of the game. So uh, I thought that was a really interesting tweak and uh, one that paid off. Yeah, that we're starting to see some of those just slight adjustments to starting positions and ideal game management situations from the structure that you and I have been crying for for most of the year, and it's mm-hmm. it seemed and, yeah. and Vermees seemed somewhat reticent to implement, and now we're seeing when he has the players that he trusts to do those things that w- what can be accomplished in those circumstances, and we're seeing those slight tweaks. Um, the other thing that was really interesting about this is Sporting played off the ball most of the match. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, they they allowed uh, Austin to possess. They allowed them to use their and, and in fairness, Josh Wolf's teams tend to like to have the ball in sporting sure. sporting as opposed to trying to stop them from having it and really cluttering things up. Allowed them to have it and use pressing triggers really effectively. And mm-hmm. with two in the midfield, they were able to shadow Driussi in a way that you would want them yeah. to. Because um, Austin came out with a pretty aggressive front four with Drewsi at the 10, mm-hmm. and it played straight into Sporting's uh, you know, defensive posture, which is having that double pivot sort of shrouding Drewsi and not allow him to get, to get into space. Yeah, and one of the things, uh, one of the things also um, that happens with the pressing structure is that um, is that Polito really did a uh, a good there. So so in build out, um, um, Austin uh, was oftentimes um, looking to um, either Pereira or Valencia. Um, oftentimes it was Valencia who was sort of maybe dropping a little bit deeper, but but whoever was uh, sort of like dropping into that more single pivot type of spot, Polito was doing a really good job at, at least at the beginning of the game of of making sure that that player did not uh, get the ball right he was he was pressing the forwards but but keeping the 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 uh, defensive uh, midfielder in the um, uh, sorry he was pressing the center backs but keeping the defensive midfielder in the uh, uh, in his cover shadow so that uh, that was really uh, a difficult um, he really made it difficult for um, the rest of the team to to put string together passes and build out yeah, they, they had very little play through the middle of the field, which is exactly what yeah. Austin wants to do. And um, you're right, it was a lot of because of the pressing structure. The other thing, too, is that we know that Shallowy is a really effective presser. So he was he was mm-hmm. sort of causing them to try to play through the middle a little bit because he's so he's so good at pressing the, the, from the wing and onto that fullback. It, it was just a very well-executed, extremely smart, intelligent performance. That was the thing that I think you and I noted a couple times just watching – Radia's positioning, seeing Leibold and how he reads the game and puts himself in different places. It was just none of this stuff is going to pop off a stat sheet. None of this stuff is going to make you yeah. go, oh my god, what an amazing performance, put him on player of the week kind of shouts, mm-hmm. because that's basically goals and assists or shutouts that get you into those places. But um, it was just extremely competent, intelligent football. like, And that's the stuff that we, we you and I like nerd out on. Well, and to that point, I, I thought that 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 that's one of the places where Chonis is really shining. Is he's he's not filling, um, you know, he's not scoring goals and getting assists um, like uh, like Johnny Russell would uh, if when playing in that position. But he, but he is being um, he's being very very um, um, active, very defensively solid. He's doing a good draw job drawing fouls. He's doing an excellent job. Um, he's sort of like he's sort of like adjacent to being gold dangerous, right? Like he he's had a couple of, of shots. He had a really good shot over the weekend, but um, that was um, that Nick Lima uh, blocked. But um, he, he's rarely getting into like good shooting uh, spots. But he's he's really developing um, an eye for that sort of like pass before the pass kind of um, 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 box. Uh, movement and box passing, which uh, is really important. Like he's he's a dangerous player in the in the attacking third in ways that you know some of the other um, um, some of the other uh, substitute wingers are not. 
Yeah, I, I just his activity is like you noted was extremely good, uh, both offensively and yeah. defensively. Um, you know, he's using his youthful exuberance well, <laughs> and and but I'm, what is that? <laughs> but I, it, but in not not in in a, in a um, ignorant way. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he, he yeah, he's not wild. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's he's very active and he's using the fact that he's. 22 and able to be very active to his Mm -hmm. advantage, but he's not um, ineffective or chaotic in doing so. Yeah. And I think that those are things that um, that I find very um, fascinating to see because you're seeing sort of the intelligence of the player, not just the activity of the player. And um, it's obvious that he is a a fairly well formed soccer mind at 22, which is not something you see very often. And um, I think also, you know, playing with this team, we've said this over and over again, one of the reasons that Vermees tends to, you know, uh, be very, um, be a proponent of older players is because typically you need to have a certain soccer IQ and experience level to implement the various tenets of the system that he wants to employ. And um, that's where younger players have struggled to be um, effective, continuous participants or contributors is that usually, you know, that that come all of that intelligence comes with experience, having seen these things many times and knowing how to react to them. And Chinese has done, in my opinion, an admirable job of being a very effective winger and in a position that is not really his. He's more of a left winger than he is a right winger. And especially in this system where the wingers are very much inverted most of the time, he's not really able to invert. He tries, but you know, he's hard to, it's hard for him to be dangerous when he inverts onto his left foot. Yeah. So I've just been really impressed with his performances. Unfortunately, we're about to lose him for a couple games <laughs> because I mean, in fairness, he deserves to be called up for Cyprus. When he was called up in the past, yes, you're sort does. of like, okay, whatever. He doesn't, he comes on for 10 minutes at the end of games, let him go get some international play. I'll be very interested to see what his um, his influence is on those games for Cyprus because he's coming into that those matches in extremely good form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that um, is is nice to see from him is he's he seems to be establishing a pretty good like attacking rapport with uh, with Eric Tommy and with Alan Polito, and that's um, we've talked before about the importance of developing those sort of relationships in the in the attacking third. But the other thing is that is that um, you know he, you you're very uh, you're very correct in, in mentioning that um, you know. That generally speaking, that's an inverted winger position, and he's not um, left-footed, so it sort of is difficult for him. But I think that actually, that is um, that's part of the reason that that the team has been really successful with him in in starting uh, in that position, is because it's it, he he pushes wide naturally, right? Or or he he's sort of taking that sort of you know widest corridor, and, and it's what it's doing is it's allowing Eric Tommy to be in the half space. Um, without you know them stepping all over one another which was a problem on when Tommy was playing on the left side of the field that him and Shallowy were sort of always you know in each other's way and that's really not the case I think that there's a much better there's a much better uh, understanding between Tommy and Chonis of of um, who who's who needs to be where uh, at what time in the attack and uh, and I think that um, like I said that's a that's a really um, 
powerful reason why they've been uh, so successful recently. Also, that front five is a counter-pressing nightmare <laughs> for opponents. Like so much that yeah. I, I can't imagine trying to be a defender or a midfielder against an uh, against a sporting opponent right now one they're confident yep. and they're playing so well two though you know if you've got voltaire tommy um shallowy chinese and polito pressing your back line that's nightmare yeah. fuel for a lot of teams yeah um and absolutely and that's that's really been a successful part of what they're doing even when they weren't really pressing that high in this game they were sort of soft pressing and then trigger pressing mm -hmm. it's still once they trigger press they collapse so hard so fast it it reminds me a lot of manchester city honestly like that that's the kind of stuff that city does where they're just sort of like oh you're gonna pass it around oh something happened you got to a certain vertical channel and all of a sudden you're fucked like it, it happens yeah. a lot when you watch city press and I saw sporting employing some of those tactics and sort of trying to lull Austin into just booting it around the horseshoe a little bit and then closing them down. And it's fun. Yep. It's fun to see like those are, that's a very active front five and, and Gotti Kinda can do it as well. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, fun to see. And, and it's different in a way. Johnny is, I mean, Johnny is a tireless runner. I don't know if he's an as effective presser as Chinese is. Um, so that's a that's a different club in the bag, I think, when Chinese is on the field, which is fun, which is a fun option to have. One of the things that Chinese can do is um, that maybe is a, a little bit better than what Johnny does is is uh, Chinese has a, a, a much higher uh, closing speed. And so he can actually sit back a little bit further and um, and bait the other team into passing to, you know, the left back or whoever sort of over in that um, in that left corridor and then. As the ball gets passed to them, he can sprint out, and so, uh, and so it that puts them under pressure as they're actually receiving the ball, which, uh, which, you know, causes mistakes. And one of the things that the, that they're doing as well is is um, they're they're really doing a good job of making um, the like the forward the progressive line splitting splitting passes of of other teams like predictable, right? So, so the ball, you know gets funneled so that it it goes into whoever you know Robbie Volader for instance is is covering and um, and Rob because of uh, because uh, Rodia is there uh, when Volader checks when when Volader's man sort of checks into the midfield to to uh, be an outlet and receive the pass you know Volader can go with him and and commit himself to uh, to be in a pain in the ass and winning the ball, and um, and because he's got you know Castellanos who's athletic behind him, and he's got uh, Jake Davis who uh, who's also athletic, sort of you know being more withdrawn, and he's got Roddy also in the midfield. Um, it provides him, um, uh, I think, a little bit of cover, and so yeah, I think we saw that a lot. Um, uh, this last weekend, where the ball would come up to you know Dariusi or Zardes and. And they had, you know, there was no way that they could receive in turn. They had to, you know, play the ball back into the midfield or 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 back to the defense, and and oftentimes lose it when they did that. Yeah, because you're playing back into our counter pressure, right? And and yep, that's that's exactly. the 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 thing that makes it so effective. That's a good thing you pointed out is that, I, I, this is the point that I was trying to highlight in the opener opening is that. Talk about the spine being so important to this team and how and we talk about how important the defensive midfield position is this team and obviously the striker, which we're going to get to in a minute. Radia being such an effective 
defensive midfielder smart his positioning is so good he understands how to close someone down he understands how to slow a rundown there's just so many things he does that are just so like undercover good as far as like his his control of the center of the pitch it makes his center backs better we've been you've been saying this for yeah. several weeks it's yeah. like it, it it improves the quality of play of the center backs we were really worried with both fantas and rosero injured like what what were we going to see and it's been okay for a couple games now yeah. and it's because radia creates a level of calm and creates a level of cover for the center backs behind him we've often said hey how come you know different different teams in this league can get away with starting guys like dave romney and be really successful uh-huh. <laughs> and it, this is why right that you know dave romney yes, in this is. circumstance has dax mccarty in front of him right and darlington uh-huh. or Dar- darlington nagby's in columbus now isn't he anyway other yellow team um but there's dax mccarty in front of them and that you know you have these these solid like smart defensive midfielders in front of them it it provides a structure to the spine that makes it less important for the center backs to be perfect on every play yeah. and i think that was the big issue that sporting was dealing with for the longest time and even with remy voltaire playing that position remy did an admirable job playing that role but because he isn't naturally a defensive midfielder, there were circumstances where center backs had to be perfect or bad transition events going to happen. And so, there's less so of that going now. Remy's, Remy's problem in that position is the thing that makes him uh, very good in the other position is he likes to run and he likes to roam and move around the field. And that is actually um, counterproductive, um, uh, when you're playing the six in the system. And, um, you know, you have to, we, we oftentimes, uh, uh, draw comparisons back to the premier league. And, um, and so, um, you know, the, the thing with, um, with Roddy reminds me of, of, of Manchester United this season. Uh, you know, they, they, they still have, um, you know, like in the, in, in, the last game they played against uh, Manchester City in the FA Cup final, they played, you know, their starting center backs were, were uh, uh, Lindelof and Varane, who have had, you know, <laughs> maybe not the most uh, successful uh, seasons. And they're, 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 they're not necessarily considered top center backs in, um, in, in the Premier League, but, uh, but they're able to, 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 use those guys because Casemiro is there. And, and, um, and that was one of, I think the, the, the things that the sort of underrated things that really sort of solidified Manchester United, um, this season was, uh, was bringing on Casemiro. And it's just, it just always amazes me that, um, that, you know, the, when they're the right player, that one player, uh, in the center of the pitch can really just, um, it, it make everything, uh, around, uh, better and make everybody it's 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 what uh it's what the you know soccer nerds call like a a a force multiplier right it just makes everybody around them better um and a lot of it is just it's literally just like a structural thing it's not it's not tackles one it's not you know necessarily progressive passes or or huge switches it is um, it is being a, a, a predictable, uh, reliable um, sort of, you know, center um, that that uh, a hub uh, that that the rest of the team can organize themselves around. I mean, 
Sergio Busquets does not look like anything yeah. special when he's on the field. <laughs> if you, yeah. uh, he's not like a big tackler either. No, you know? he, he's a tall dude that just sort of seems to be roaming around the center of the pitch, but nothing ever goes through him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's hard. Like I think so many people are used to seeing the eye catching stuff that happens on the field mm-hmm. that sometimes you underrate actually not having to think about this person at all is actually the best thing possible. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that I would ask anyone listening to this podcast regularly to think about how often you notice Nemanja Radia. Yeah. Almost never. Almost never. You just, he's just, (laughs) and and there's a reason why, but that's good. I mean, I think everyone got so used to Elie dropping dimes on folks, but also Mm -hmm. they remember Elie getting burned. You know what I mean? It's just as equally. <laughs> yeah. And uh-huh. you don't just, you just, Nemanja Radia is just, you don't, you don't notice him. And I think that's the best, no. that's actually the best compliment I can give him as a defensive midfielder is that he's so good at his job. You just don't even notice it. Um, yeah. And, and, and him specifically, uh, you know, I, I like it. He's not out there, you know, getting orange cards and collecting them on a on a game to game basis like our friend Diego Charles. No, so he makes kind of good fouls. We talked about this in the he game does. too. He does. He knows mm-hmm. how to foul a guy in the right way where it looks like he's going for the ball and he doesn't get a yellow card for it and he doesn't get yep. orange cards for it. He's he's a smart he's a smart soccer player. Um, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. I just I enjoy him, and he's he's very much of the ilk of the type of player that you and I love, which is someone that no one else watching the game gives a shit about. But it, it is something <laughs> that I really enjoy because there's such nuance to his game, and um, it, it's it's been an integral part to the performance of this team, along with one Alan Polito. T- again, spine, spine, spine. It's a huge part of this system. It's a huge part of any soccer team. The center backs did play very well against Austin. I was uh, Castellanos did his best Danny Rosero impression. Like he was an um, he did. animal, he did animal in yeah. the air. Obviously got the goal, which yep. uh, very very excited for him. But he won every aerial duel. He was very active. He really took on that type of role. But the other the other guy that showed up was a guy that we've been waiting for to show up at this level for a little bit, and his name is Alan Polito. Um, his his movement was exceptionally good and it has been it's been improving but it was really it's it, it has been for a few games but his finishing came this weekend um yeah it, that for him to cradle that cross from Leibold and then and then <laughs> toe poke it right footed over the top we'll get to this goal we're going to cover it in tactical corners so I don't want to I don't want to get into it now but his quality was a high level two goals and an assist yep. he dominated Austin's back line they had nothing for him they really didn't. I mean, he was so effective both in denying them the ability to play through the middle as well as getting in between them regularly. And part of it was Alex Ring came off injured before the game started mm-hmm. and they had to they had to bring in a different center back to play left center back, which that dude they got some work to do if that's if that's that Not guy's great. supposed to be good. Twenty <laughs> nine year old guy they signed this offseason yeah. from like Serbia, but yeah. Oof. Uh, um, but, I mean, Polito, he, he had an amazing game. And we've been waiting for this one. Yeah, he, he – I think that the, the really amazing thing about him and the reason why he's so good, and you hear it all the time when we talk about, like, poachers and, and uh, really high-level 
um, center forwards like you know for instance Chicharito is is uh, or Chris Wondolowski right I mean this is why Chris Wondolowski was so good is their ability to um, to to find spaces like little open pockets and in the box and uh, and to do so sort of unnoticed and you know Polito's first goal um, it comes from him sort of you know dropping back from the line and into a little pocket of space where nobody is and all of the uh all of the the defensive line for um um for Austin is back trying to to win a header that Castellanos uh outcompetes them uh for and and it just the ball falls to Polito and he is you know he's all by himself in like a couple there's like a couple yards around him in the box and and um and the ball's kind of under his feet a little bit and so he has to really take sort of a, a an awkward angle um but still and puts it right exactly where it needs to be across the goal to the other side of the goal where the keeper isn't and um I mean that is like that that is a class goal, even though, you know, I think like the other goal is the goal that that, you know, you and I or at least myself, like I'll, I'll speak only for myself. Like I thought the other goal was just fantastic and and uh, one of my favorite goals of the season. But uh, but this uh, the goal, the first goal is just, you know, it's just a, a clinic and how to move in the box and how to find space and then how to be clinical when you get that space. And, you know, uh as the um, as like Kobe Jones was saying on the on the uh, um, on the broadcast, you know, right before they scored that goal, they were commenting like two minutes before they were commenting how, on how Alan Polito had not even uh, had a touch, and it's true, like he didn't have a touch, and you know for you know 20, 25 minutes, and his very first touch was that goal, and uh, that is uh, that is an elite skill. And it's um, also, it, he's shown us this before, I think his very first goal for the club, uh, right pre-COVID against Houston, um, he hit a goal like this. He's got this ability to take a ball coming towards him where he's almost like diagonal. His body is almost half back to goal and he's able to open his hips and spin around it and curl it into the post. He's done. I've seen him score this goal like three or four times. It's a skill that he has. that is not easy to do. This is not an easy finish by any means. And he, he allowed the ball to go behind him and then turn his hips around it and still get it. So he gets enough pace on it, but then also curl it into that post. I don't know how many guys on our team can make this finish, to be completely honest. Like, I, I, I it, you know, I don't want to bat. I'm not bagging on Kyrie Shelton tonight. He had a good game. And so I'm not going to do that. But there there are there are guys. That, I mean, if Daniel Shallow is in this position, I'm not sure he scores this goal. And, and I no. think that that's the thing about him. That's what you paid $10 million for was absolutely this, I mean, that's this skill. That's what I was going to say is, is there's not many players in MLS that score that goal. You know that is that is a uh, that's an elite goal and 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 it's that again here like you said that's what you pay the money for it's for players who can do that and and he did it and uh, frankly I've honestly kind of been on the fence about whether we should uh, re-sign him or not um, but uh, um, a performance like the one that he just put in um, really tips the balances towards uh, making a good effort to do so. He even said after the game, he apparently was on MLS 360 and said after the game that he's just starting to feel like he's getting into full form. 
Like, and so he even knows that he hasn't been at his full self yet. And Mm -hmm. if this is what we're going to see the rest of the season, you can, yeah. And and you can also see a reason for resigning him if this is what we're going to get the rest of the season, right? If this is the player we can get, I mean, you don't, you can't predict the future, but this is, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of striker that you pay money for and, and is exceptionally valuable in this league. Um, the last thing I would say, and, and, and I I will say to that point, I, you know, we give, you know, we, we, we're pretty hard on Burmese, uh, often, but, uh, but that's a good signing. And when you look and compare, for instance, Polito to, um, oh goodness gracious, the, the guy that, uh, Vancouver signed. Oh, um, freaking Lucas Cavallini. (laughs) Yeah. So Cavallini, right. I mean, so, so at the time, I mean, they were, they were thought to be sort of similar players, players of similar quality, right? Maybe not, they didn't have comparable uh, skill sets, maybe. I mean, I think all of us sort of saw Cavallini as more of like a Dom Dwyer type uh, type player. But um, um, but it's obvious that, that, Polito was the right one, right? I mean, he's 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 the guy with the skill and uh, and the one who's perfect for the system that the team currently plays. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Cavallini wasn't hurt his whole time, and I think scored less no. goals than Polito did. So, yes. I, I think that <laughs> the, the 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 jury is not out on that one. Uh, <laughs> the, the jury is in uh, on that on that yep. part of it. I think a lot of us. I think you know fans are just going to be frustrated by the injury stuff you you spend yeah. you spend that money you get a guy right in the middle of the end of his prime and then you lose all those years because of injury that's that's a rough thing to see yeah. but you you can see that the guy i mean everyone knows that Polito's a workout monster everyone knows that the guy mm-hmm. is in exceptionally fit shape all the time you know maybe that Maybe that allows him to extend his career a couple more years. And if we can get this type of production, I can understand why the team would be interested in him. The other thing that we do get after Vermees quite a bit about, or we did this season, was, again, his reticence to change, his inability to kind of uh, adjust to his available personnel in a way that we like. Well, he's also having the last laugh now because, <laughs> the, the you know, his his in, his in, uh, you know, his his requirement to continue to maintain and just push through and go, Hey, look, when the players get back, I believe in it. I believe in the structure. I believe in what we have going on. I believe in these players that this will work. And he's been right so far Um, as the players have returned. And even as have some have come down injured, we're able to plug different players in. I think, again, I think Polito and Radia being available for all of these games is a huge part of why this continues to work. You have extremely good players in the spine that are helping uh, maintain that, but still it's, it's the structure is working and the game model is working. And uh, Charlie Bohm had a quote in the article that he did this week where he did the, he did the league rundown and it was along the lines of, you know, MLS teams, the best teams in this league have a defined structure. They maintain that structure. They don't aggressively deviate from it because that is where you can create mistakes. And, you know, I, I don't totally disagree with him. It was just hard to watch the structure fail over and over and over again. Um, and, and not be able to see this part of it. And obviously the coaches and the folks that are in training every day, you know, felt confident in the fact that this turnaround was coming. And I don't know that they could even have predicted that it would have turned around this, this positively, this quickly. Um, 
But I also believe I also agree with Vermees when I when he says I don't even think this team's at full speed yet because I don't either. Yeah. Um, you can mm-hmm. see some you can see some stuff where they've still got some work to do. Part of it is personnel related. Part of it is just you know some mistakes are still happening. Um, and if they can really step on the gas, I can understand why he's so bullish on their potential uh, capabilities. Yeah, yeah, with with the team's recent uh, ability to score multiple goals, and that was another stat that they brought up in the game is is the team is undefeated when they score more than one goal. They've won, I think, like five now six games when they score um, uh, more than one goal. But you know, if the, if the team can can score like that, and um, and then you know they have always been even when they were losing games they were uh, an elite counterpressing team and so you know when you combine those two things um it's it's just a super super dangerous team and you know i mean frankly if they had a uh, if they had an above average goalkeeper um it, they would be just super difficult to score on like yeah mackintosh uh, let up another bad rebound again <laughs> and it just seems like yeah. you you mentioned this last week. It just seems like we're constantly waiting for the thing that he's going to drastically fuck up. And yeah. and it, the same thing I said last week, where there, we can't win one nels right now. It's not happening. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. He just <laughs> I don't know. Like, why can't he just pass? Why can't he just put that out of bounds? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I. I think the same t- thing. Just we also got extremely lucky on another one that Drusy put over the bar that could have made it three yeah. two. So it's just like yeah. we're we've been the the club has been a little bit lucky for the last month and a half too. That's the other part that concerns me is that that's okay. Yeah, well, it is okay. <laughs> I mean, we were really unlucky. We were really unlucky before. I, so I'm, you know, I'm, it's it's. I'm not debating that, but I'm telling you that that luck's going to go the other <laughs> way at some point. Um, sure. And, it will. and I think that. You know, having a much more secure goalkeeper um, would be helpful in that circumstance. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the problem is with Vermees is like as long as the as long as he keeps not notching W's on the belt, he's gonna keep playing goal. Uh huh. This is true. Kind of how things go. We know this. Okay. Real real quick on, on Tim Leibold. We covered him a little bit, but. Um, he was right in front of us for the first half of the game, and it was you could just see the um, you could see why they signed him. You know, I think we scratched our heads, yeah. Going, okay, wait, you are. I mean, Ben Sweat was obviously a disaster <laughs> at the beginning of this year, and he wasn't that great at the beginning of last year either. And um, seems to feel some kind of way about it when he had his first press conference with New England, but um, he. We we thought, you know, Sweat had played fairly decently at the end of the year when the team was on a good run. And you had in Denbe and in, you know, and Denbe was potentially the heir apparent. And so it's like you sign another high dollar uh, left back and you're kind of like, what's going on here? Why would you sign this guy? And we just haven't got to see him that much because, again, injuries. And um, wow, he's good. Like, he's really good. Like in a, another, just he's another Vermes type of player, just extremely smart, just reads the game, super smart, reads the game exceptionally well, doesn't overextend, gets high when he can. Uh, his delivery from wide is much better than in Denbe's. His his long ball delivery in general is much better than in Denbe's. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's honestly it's better than uh than 
probably most of the left backs in MLS. The the pass that he hit on Polito's second goal was insane. It was amazing. So again, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, well, even so, so he even he even started the the sequence for the first goal uh, by putting a pass in. Um, you know, one thing he does really well is he is he dinks balls over the top to shallowy to run, for shallowy to run in on, and uh, that that worked, you know, a lot uh, against Austin, and that's like that's a difficult skill, right? Because uh, you have to get the weight of the pass just right, and you have to put it um, at the right pace so that it has to be it has to be in a place where the winger can track it down um, and beat the you know whoever they're going up against whether it's a center back or whether it's a, an outside back so so the it has to be there right but it can't be it can't be too slow um because that might allow the keeper to come out and it can't be obviously too you know too too diagonal uh and into the box so the uh, a keeper can come out and and claim it then and so uh, it is a uh it's it's a it's a really high level skill and he was just I mean he was dropping dimes um, and and um, you know the the uh, it's been frustrating for me to watch the team like uh, over and over again um, you know put in uh, on 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 like corner kicks uh, and set pieces put balls to the far post and and uh, and to for a tall player like a center back to knock them back into the center and it, it almost never works uh, it worked this weekend because uh, because th- that happened on a recycled ball and the ball pops out to Leibold and he's like sitting just like lurking in the half space and he just dinked that ball right to the to the back post uh, for Castellanos and it was uh, it was a perfect ball and um, and that's I think what we can expect from Leibold is those kinds of plays. Yeah, his service is exceptionally good, but he's also a really good defender, as we saw. He had Emiliano Rigoni in his pocket, like well, <laughs> well, Rigoni is garbage. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, so so I I actually was surprised that that Austin didn't target Leibold more. Uh, because in the first half they seemed to be, you know, going towards the other side of the field quite a bit, and Jake Davis was being Jake Davis and just tackling everybody and and shutting everything down. And um, you know, I think that I think that Austin, you know, maybe couldn't go to 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 the other side because Rigoni is terrible. He's garbage. He was not good. He's, he was not good at all. He's Austin FC Michael Barrios. Like I don't understand yeah. why he's on the field. Like I really don't. I, I mean, even even Barrios. You know, every once in a while, they'll score a hat trick on the SKC. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't think Rigoni's going to do, do that anytime soon. No, I I don't understand that signing at all. I really don't get no. it. They keep trotting him out. Well, sometimes there. you're wrong, you know. Well, then then just put him on the bench. Like, why do you, I mean, when they keep trotting him out there? Like, this is... I don't think they have anybody else. Look at well, I mean, Ake Lobo. You know, Finley. I mean, they have was... Ethan Finley. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, there Ethan, is that. Yeah. Ethan Finley was actually was pretty rough for us the last time we played them. So yes, he was. Uh, That's true. Um, anyway, it. it uh, but he did. He did. He does a. He does a job defensively. I guess is the best way I would describe it. I don't know that yeah. he's as effective tracking back as Logan and Denbe is, but he is significantly more competent than Ben Sweat with all of the positives on the other end of the field. Yeah. 
Okay, that's, so let's, that's the key part. Let, let's get to Tactical Corner, our <laughs> weekly deep dive into the tactical side of the game. Um, this week, Cody wanted to do a full dissection of the um, second Alan Polito goal. Um, like, as Cody noted, it is his favorite goal of the year so far. I agree with him in maybe not for exactly the same reason. Um, for me, it was the absolute decisive nature in which it was scored. There was yeah. no fucking around. It was like yeah. I. It was like center back sees sees uh, fullback going up the line, play him mm-hmm. up the line with speed. Fullback is blazing down the line. Cent- uh, center forward is running with him. Fullback hits a screaming bender on the ground at speed right into center forward's foot, and center forward scores. And it was not an easy finish because that. I can't, I mean, the pass Leibold hit, holy shit. Like, this is, like, yeah. this is class. Like, top top leagues in the world would love their fullbacks to hit passes like this. I mean, this is, like, Andy yep. Robertson kind of shit that he did. And it was it was yeah. just on Polito's foot. Um, and he did have to actually corral it because it came in with such pace, and he had to, like, get it underneath a guy's leg to get it there but it was just boom 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 ball and net and that's the kind of stuff that uh, it's just fun it's champagne football is so, what i tweeted at the time the 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 cool thing about it from you know for me like uh, all of that is great because you know we have been you and i have been talking again and again about uh, about wanting the team to be more direct and score, you know, those sort of direct uh, counterattack type goals. But, like, that wasn't even a counterattack, right? That 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 ball came from a buildup, right? And they tried to build up the right side, and it stalled out, and they, and they, they were patient, and they played back to the center backs, and then um, and, and they drew um, Austin up, Right, they drew the pressing players towards them uh, to create that space in behind, and then when when Austin stepped up and um, and you know they they didn't drop back quick enough because once they stepped up to press, it was just as you said, it was just you know two three passes down the left side, and you know those those early crosses are. Um, they are super tough to deal with as a defender, uh, uh, especially a bad defender like uh, like our friend uh, was. Where is he from? Did you say uh, Serbia? Radovanovic. <laughs> yes, okay. And it was Julian yeah, Cascante wow. and uh, Radovanovic was the I believe the uh, the left center back there. I mean, he whiffed, but I mean that's okay because you get like like you have to take those kinds of of chances you have to you have to give them a shot right that's how you score amazing goals is by is by taking um you know high risk um uh chances like that and and you know for for libel to play that sort of an early ball that's like that is not something that we see um even even graham zussi do right that is not something that we see uh, traditionally our players do uh, on sporting kansas city but it's also not necessarily a goal that we see that that much in mls this is not um, an mls are, goal you, man this is not something no, you regularly this is, see this is and we, you're you're right in saying that it, that that's like a premier league type of goal yeah you moving the ball that fast and playing it that early in fact it was fun to watch it play because it was happening at speed and the pass happened like directly in 
line with us. So we got to see it. And I think I said to you, like, right as, as Libel got even with us, like, pass, pass. And he, he hit it immediately. Yep. <laughs> and then I saw Polito settle it and then ship it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is that's the type of, of soccer that you and I really enjoy watching. And man, it, it, it's um, it. it I don't know that we're going to see goals like that regularly. Like I said, it's not an it's not a common MLS goal. But the other yeah. part that that you mentioned is that getting the back line, or, you know, playing that ball in when the back line is trying is is trying to reorganize before they're able to settle is really important. Yep. We talked some. We've talked before uh, about AVPs. You know, the whole philosophy of the Canadian national team where we got to see kind of how they look at it and the whole concept of having the center backs facing their own goal, running towards their own goal. That is mm-hmm. when that is a that is a prime opportunity for you to take advantage of. And even if you're just throwing it into the mixer at that point, yep. it's worth yep. it because they are going to struggle to defend that position much more than when they're in a settled position when they're looking at their opponent's goal. So it was great. And it- and in order for us to put center backs in that position, you have to have you have to have willing uh, runners, right? And and Alan Polito, I mean, this is it, this is well into the second half um, and when when he scores this goal, and Alan Polito is sprinting uh, to the goal um, and splitting um, the center backs and, while he does it, like he's splitting the center backs. Yeah. And not only that. Marinos Chonis is about, I don't know, 10 yards behind him in the right half space. So he's making the run also. And uh, that is how, that's how you score, man, is, 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 by, is by sending runners and unbalancing defenses and, and attacking early and directly uh, when the opportunity presents itself. And, uh, I mean, if, 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 you know, Sporting Kansas City, uh, uh, developed into the kind of team that scored these kinds of goals on a regular basis. I, I mean, I would be ecstatic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they'd be an I mean, they'd be an MLS Cup contender uh, if they were scoring yeah, goals absolutely. like this on the regular. And, and and I mean, they could be right. I mean, I, I think that there is. Um, you know, I think right now it's really uncertain what the um, what the ceiling of the team is. Uh, having the uh, the D, the designated players back has really raised the floor. Uh, but I mean, who knows how good this team could be? Who knows? And I think that was the point that Vermees was making was that I'm not. They're not even at full speed yet, and so I don't think even he knows exactly what their maximum level is. I think he he has an idea of what he thinks it might be. But he probably doesn't know, you know, what they could actually achieve this season. Uh, we talked a little bit about the passing and, again, staying true to the system, doing the recycling, finding and drawing Austin up. And Game State had something to do with why Austin was so willing to press in that position. Yeah. They may or may not have actually been as aggressive with that pressure if they were not already down a couple goals. But still, they um, they they use that against their opponent disorganize them Mm -hmm. and move the ball forward, which is stuff you like to see. The movement was exceptionally good, not just on the goal scoring sequence, but all of the player movement in order to create the space to allow to allow um, uh, Libel to get free down the line. And again, your point about Chinese making that back shoulder run. So it was there Mm -hmm. like he was off of the back shoulder. So if that ball gets through Polito, Chinese is there. Um, It's just a lot of really smart stuff. But the touch. Like this is not an easy ball. This is not an easy ball to, <laughs> no. to corral, and and no. he sort of gets it under his feet a little bit. And I was a little worried that he would yeah. make it happen. And then he does this outside the boot chip to the far post, and I'm like, Polito's yeah. back. He's back. Yeah, 
and it it and if you if you watch it in slow motion and then uh it's one of those things that you see how he contorts his body and how he gets his feet right even to even to you know pivot on that and to get his foot on it yes but also you know just to be able to direct it where he needs to um it is another elite uh, scoring opportunity that that your you know high dollar designated player uh, center forward finishes and uh, it's special because of that you know it's uh, it's it's absolutely uh, awesome I love it. Okay, one more thing that we're going to cover tonight, be just because I feel like it's important because this guy has been much maligned on our podcast for the entirety of its existence. <laughs> Kyrie Shelton played really well in his sub appearance. Yeah, he did, it, it, and not just yeah, the did. fact that. He got on the offside goal, and of course he gets the goal late, finishing a run exactly the way he should have. He played well. Mm-hmm. Like he, his his activity was good, his positioning was good. He was dangerous. I mean, game state had something to do with it, but it looked like 2018 Kyrie, not this yeah. like version of him where he's just sort of completely ineffective and not doing shit. Um, yeah. And and I, it was good to see. I was happy for him. Um, I, I, he's an extremely nice guy, and I feel bad that things have gone the way they have for him. And he's obviously much maligned on this, not just on this podcast, but amongst many sporting Kansas City fans. And so I was happy for him to see him perform so well and finally get the goal. I I, I looked at the replay. It's it it's really it, you couldn't once it was called offside. There's no way it's getting overturned. It was it was hard to tell because the lines weren't very clear on the field because all the drizzle that we had um it when we saw it live we were pretty close to in line with it i didn't think he was off but when i saw the replay it looked like he was marginally off so anyway he got he got the goal finishing a run and also by the way hit a beautiful pass to eric tommy for him mm-hmm. to take the shot in yeah. the first place like he pulled the center back to him played the pass to tommy into space it was very clean right on point um just technical stuff that we've seen him struggle with in the past was um was on display so i was happy for him. i mean the amazing thing to me um i mean we were really happy for him and high-fiving and um just it, it felt like a celebration uh for his sake um but the amazing thing was that uh in the um in the field club after the game um he wasn't like he wasn't uh, partying with the guys, you know. He wasn't walking around and and uh, uh, celebrating uh, with all the players. He was like hanging out with a bunch of kids. I think that was like I think okay. So I think that was his mom, and I don't know who all the kids were with her. So I think I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, he was just hanging out with kids, like hanging out with kids, laughing with them, you know, playing around with them. Um, oblivious to like everything around him. And I don't know. I mean, it was that, that was that in and of itself was heartwarming. And if I think if everybody saw that, like they'd never say another bad word about him because uh, it, it really impressed me. So well, now that you've humble bragged the fact that we were in the field club, I will say that um, I will say that he um, in prior experiences with him in there, he's not really hanging out with teammates that much. Uh, yeah. He was, Sometimes shallowly hangs out with him, but for the most part, I don't know that he's super tight with a bunch of um, teammates. Um, like my wife likes to get selfies with him when she can. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a very attractive man, so I understand why. But um, yeah, I I don't 
I don't I, now. I have to think about that some more, but I don't know that he does interact that much with his other teammates. They seem to like him. He seems to be a super big part, but I don't know like how yeah. how much of a yeah. relationship he has with them outside of outside of the club. Like you see, if you follow Instagram, you see a lot of guys hanging out together in different places, um, in their different groups. Like Johnny and Daniel hang out together a lot. Um, yeah, Raj Zusi. And uh, but it used to be Uri, but Fonty, Johnny, and Daniel, they hang out. So, you know what I mean? There's like there's the different groups, yeah, the cliques yeah. and whatnot. I don't uh -huh. really see Kyrie doing that that much, to be fair. I did see Willie Agata hanging out at Gotti Kinda's house getting some barbecue. So he had that going for him. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I mean, you, can't, you can't keep his 16-pack with a barbecue. That's all. I mean, well, Gotti is pretty fit himself. I don't, I don't think I have to worry too much. I wonder, I mean, no. so Gotti's Ethiopian, right, originally? And yeah. then mm -hmm. um, Willie's from Nigeria. So maybe there was some West African yeah. food going on there or something. Who knows? I don't know. They 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 also are both in Israel, so yeah, yeah there could be some that's uh, true. some shawarma or some something. Shawarma like that. could have been happening. That's yeah. true. That's a very good point. Maybe <laughs> maybe Willie got in on the uh, on the on the hummus and uh, and tabbouleh. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I, I'm just happy for him. Um, okay, let's yeah. move to potpourri. Just, Me too. just like your favorite Jeopardy category, this is where we discuss one topic. They could be anything in and around the Sporting Kansas City MLS soccer sphere. This week, we're going to talk U.S. US men's national team. Uh, they are playing tomorrow night, so we're recording this on Wednesday. They have their semifinal tomorrow night in the Nations League against Mexico in the giant Roomba in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> it's basically the A team, except for injuries. No Tyler Adams, obviously. Um we're probably going to see Fuller and Balogun at some point. Maybe he starts, maybe he doesn't. The reports I'm hearing out of uh, out of camp are everyone is very excited about this guy. Like he's the real deal. Yeah. Like like players that are like practicing with him for the first time are going, "Oh yeah, this guy's real." Like and you know, some of these guys, <laughs> some of these guys play with some pretty damn good strikers. So, um mm -hmm they would be aware of what they're dealing with. So, I don't know if he starts or not. I mean, it's not like BJ Callahan has, you know, anything to like play for here i mean if he can start to right. he's not he's not trying to appease ricardo pepe he's just trying to win the game so if he feels like balogun is uh the better the better player and i mean candidly production wise i mean pepe he should be pepe played on such a terrible team that it's like hard to tell um in a bad in, in a in a not so good league yeah, I mean, but I mean, when you when honest. you play on a terrible team, it's hard to get a lot of goal scoring chances. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even if it, the league is bad and the level isn't good for defending, and yeah. the Eredivisie is not a good defending league, I don't know if um, you can gather that much in the in the production difference because of the fact that he's probably not getting that many goal scoring chances. Um, Balian, but by Balian, by all accounts, though, like he's. His XG is extremely high along with his production. He's not like overperforming his XG or doing anything crazy like that. Like, no, he's just really good. Uh, so hopefully we'll see him. Um, it's exciting. The It's weird playing Mexico in the semifinal. I don't. Yes. Uh, they've got Diego Coca, who's been playing him in a 3 4 3, which is probably a better thing for their personnel. Um, I am slightly concerned about Santi Jimenez. Santi Jimenez is probably going to start at striker for Mexico. He's their 22-year-old. He's a 22-year-old striker that was at Feyenoord and helped Feyenoord win the Eredivisie and then also scored like five goals in Europa League, getting them out of the group stage. Um, 
he's there for Balogun, to be completely honest. I don't know if he's quite at the same level, but he looks pretty good. He scares me a little bit. Yeah, I I, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'm uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, I always look to see where uh, Gio Reyna is playing um, because I, he's listed I, I as really, a midfielder I, on the roster. So that's I think he's that's gonna great. Be playing I'm happy fan. now. <laughs> that's good. I mean, because that's that's what it needs to be. Frankly, it, it needs to be a uh, it needs to be a four two three one or something like that with Gio pulling strings in the middle um, and um, and and having you know Christian on the on the left and and Wea on the right and and Balogun up on front I mean um, and and since we don't have uh, Tyler Adams uh, we we really don't have a single pivot type player anyway so we just run a double pivot and Musa McKinney sounds like a recipe the Musa McKinney yeah, double pivot yeah. worked in the previous matches as well where Tyler wasn't available and they kind of played in a trivet mm-hmm. a little bit Gio would drop back sometimes too yeah. so I'm I'm kind of okay with that as long as the rotational responsibilities are, are there you know the positional awareness is there and Gio's pretty smart like he was completely yeah. willing to drop back deep and, and play back there when necessary. And he likes to get, oh, he, he'll do anything to get on the exactly. ball. Drew. <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. That was going to be my next point. It's like he was dropping deep to receive the ball. That was partially, mostly why he was there, but still like he, he, he was willing to uh, cover those areas. He was much more active than I remember seeing him in the past. Um, the, my, my main issue with geo is like half the time he just looks like he's out for a stroll. And yeah. <laughs> so I'm never quite sure if I can trust him defensively, but um, yeah. he he's obviously his quality is extremely high and you want you need him on the field. And it will be nice. It will be nice seeing them uh, get their best players out there. I mean, I mean, I, I, I assume that it's going to be either uh, it's going to be, you know, some one of the two of the three will uh, two of these three defenders will be Zimmerman Robinson and or Chris Richards. One of those three or two of those three will be playing center back. And otherwise it's kind of the best that the team has. Um, yeah. So, you know, it'll be fun to see how they deal with the game. Uh, Mexico has been fairly um, um, adaptable in their matches under Diego Coca Coca, um, for those of you who don't know, he was um, he was the manager at Atlas that got that won them two straight Liga MX titles. Like one of the first, one of the very few coaches that doesn't coach Club America or Tigres to win the Clausura and Apertura six, uh, consecutively. Um, he and for a team Atlas who had not won a title in like fifty years. So uh, obviously, the kind of their up and coming like quality coach and. He's got him playing in a 3-4-3, which allows him to play a lot of their young center backs, which is good. I think a double pivot is probably really good for Mexico as well. Um, they were running that 4-3-3 under Tata and having Hector Herrera play, and it's as an 8. And um, I don't know how. how... <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of running for <laughs> It's a lot of running for, for Ache Ache. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ache Ache is like, man, I moved to Houston, and now you bring me to the World Cup and make me run all this stuff. Um, so I, I, I think that. You know, I don't know who the best pair is next to um, Edson Alvarez, who apparently is going to Borussia Dortmund. Um, but uh, maybe it's Charlie Rodriguez. I don't know who it is. But uh, I they do have some young players that are going to play for, for them in this game. And they're kind of in a similar transition to where the U.S. was a couple of years ago. So yeah. maybe we catch them while they're still trying to figure it out. I, I think that uh, uh, until they prove out otherwise, I think that um, I think that we own them. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, when you look at when you look at what happened 
um, you know, last summer and 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 the summer before, and you look at the the results in the World Cup. I think that uh, Mexico has a long way to go and a lot to prove. So, um, I never thought that I would say this, but I think that the United States is the better team until Mexico can prove otherwise. And and um, so maybe it's not the worst thing that we're uh, we're in the semis. Yeah, I, I, I think that, well, Mexico, the reason we're in the semis is because we were the best team in group play, in group play and Mexico was the fourth best yeah. team. Um, they struggled yeah. to get out of a group with Suriname in it. So, I mean, it, it's, um, it's, it's the state of where these teams are at this point, um, for sure. And um, I would agree with you that based on recent performance, the U.S. is definitely the better team. If you look at the players and where they're playing regularly, also probably mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Um, so we'll just have to see if they're able to put it together on the field. The Gold Club roster also came out. Our man, Gianluca Busio, who we saw on Saturday at uh, the Sporting Kansas City match, is also on that roster. I was trying to figure out why Boos was stuck in the U.S. for so long, and now I know why. Um, he, you know, obviously kind of in the off season at Venezia, but you know, you he he, if you if you do the Instagram sort of sleuthing, he has been in Kansas City for about a week, so it's surprising to uh, surprising to see him uh, at the match. And now I, I kind of get why it looks like he was just sort of hanging out until he heads to Gold Cup camp. Um, most of the roster for the Gold Camp Gold Cup is different from the Nations League roster. A lot of like sort of if you want to call it B team guys. Are on that one, yeah, MLS MLS guys, MLS guys, but not all MLS guys. You no, got not all. Um, there's there's a few um, like Taylor. Is in Taylor Booth on that list? There's a few of them that are like just um, you know kind of periphery guys that have not played a whole lot lately. But we're gonna get them in there. I mean, this would be the ultimate flex by the U.S. if they're able to win the Gold Cup two years two two consecutive um, tournaments by, by playing their B team. It would be. That would be unreal. <laughs> that would be great. It would be an unreal <laughs> troll job on CONCACAF to do that. Um, and that that would actually show the U.S.'s dominance right now if they were able to do that. So we'll have to see how that goes. I like, I'm looking forward to seeing Busio play some soccer. Um, he, yeah. The Serie B is not easy to come by in the United States. Every once in a while it'd be on Fox <laughs> Soccer Channel, but it's not like Venezia were that fun to watch to begin with. And he didn't play that much the second half of the season for them. So... We'll have to see how this goes for him. But um, happy to see Boost getting to play some more minutes for the for the uh, national team and see some of those other guys out there. It, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited. Any anytime I have a chance to to just watch Cade Cowell and just observe his just horrific mustache. Um, it's just entertaining. It's not just me. the mustache. That is, it's like the the whole like the. It's not even really thing, a mullet. Sure. It's sort of a mullet. And and he, the the thing I love about Cade Cowell is, this man is still nineteen years old. Yeah, it's great. He looks like I mean, it, granted, he's looked like this since he was sixteen, and he looks like <laughs> he's twenty seven. <Yeah. laughs> like this man is nineteen. He, he really years old. has. It's too bad he'll probably go play, you know, in Europe because he really has like prime uh, MLS villain potential. You know, and he and, plays for and, the and Quakes. He plays for, he plays for the right. Quakes. It's perfect. He could it's perfect. absolutely be one of the. He could be Stephen Leonard 2.0 he wholeheartedly. Be the new Goonie. Yes. Uh, he's got the vibes. Everything about him is like yeah, up there with it. Uh, I did enjoy. He played very well at the U twenty World Cup. I thought. I thought yeah, he was. I, I like. I like watching him. I think he jumped off the page though. So there's those scouts are going to mm-hmm. be coming for him for sure. Absolutely. Okay. One thing to look for this week. 
is our upcoming home match against LAFC. LAFC, who looked absolutely disinterested in playing in 95-degree heat in Houston on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, holy shit, they just did not. I mean, I have to ask. Some some of this has to be CCL hangover, but some of it also has to be that they played a shitload of matches already, like a lot yeah. of matches. Um, and then going to Houston, <laughs> it's 95. I mean, they, they, you could tell they did not give a damn about playing in that game at all. Yeah, but I mean, you should you still shouldn't lose four to zero to Houston, um, and so they're probably going to be aching for you know to get some some self respect back. If they, and, if they care at uh, all about and, what their coach thinks, they will because Chirundolo was pissed. Did you see his post game press conference? Like it was super short, and he was no, he didn't. was up he was <laughs> visibly upset with how they played, and he should have been like they played like garbage. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the first this is the first team we've seen during this run that you know has that sporting has played while having all of its players and kind of being in a positive run of results we played at lafc kind of at the beginning of may um and got the one one draw there in a match that was very entertaining uh it was extremely up and down and two teams like with a clear identity of what they wanted to do and trying to accomplish that and denise buanga almost scored about three times in the first 10 minutes so they have some extremely dangerous players they very much like to to create and transition i would think that jake davis would remember this one and know who he's dealing with because he seemed to settle in after the first 15 minutes or so and like okay i gotta i gotta mark the shit out of this guy at all times um so i think that you know maybe that will be different but if it's still castellanos and avalader playing center back that that still worries me um and mcintosh and gold did did melia i think melia played that match so i think he had an Uh, insane save i'm pretty sure he did yeah yeah so there there are some differences and we'll, we'll have to see how those are how those are dealt with um like i said it's it's two teams with a very clear defined way of playing that so that part will be on display but the question is can sporting's back line deal with uh la's front line and that yeah i don't know i think the the midfield uh battle will be really interesting to see how to see first of all what midfield sporting goes with if if sporting goes with tommy and kinda and um and then you know, just tries to get those two players up in attack and 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 hold um, uh, Radia back a little bit. Maybe 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 not get the fullbacks so advanced. I could really see that uh, being uh, an option for them. Um, but I mean, you know, regardless, I think that was one of the things that we did really well uh, against LAFC. The first go around was was um, you know stymieing their midfield uh, a little bit and uh if, uh if memory serves i don't i don't know that uh, sanchez had a, had um much involvement in that game and um and, and so i think that um i think that when you look at that and when you look at um the the form of alan polito uh, i think we can be um cautiously optimistic i think they're in the right run of form and results and confidence that they're going to be confident going into this game they certainly have the capability of beating LAFC. Um, at, I mean, honestly, any any team in MLS has the capability of beating any other team in MLS on any given night. But I think that the way that they're playing, they're playing, they're honestly in much better form than LAFC is right now. Um, yeah. So I, I would say that if they can continue playing with that confidence, 
I would be I would feel positive about it. I also feel positive about the fact that Gotti Kinda didn't even play at all on Saturday. Like the, the yeah. so he's gonna be fairly healthy and like refreshed and ready to go. Um it, it, again, the whole tactical tweak of playing Voltaire and then having him sort of tucked back as a as a double pivot to shadow Driussi was such a like an interesting, like nuanced um, tactical tweak by Vermees. I'm kind of now interested to see what tactical tweak he employs against LA to sort of thwart really Dennis Bwanga, who is their most most dangerous player. The problem you, you run into with that is that if you shade too far to that side, you have Carlos Vela on the other side. So it's not quite right. the same thing um, as far as, as far as managing that. But um, I'm, I'm interested to see, to see what happens. I also think um, Kinda allows them to overwhelm Elie. So if they have Tommy and Elie uh, or Tommy and Kinda, being more aggressive going forward, it's it's much more difficult for Elia to deal with. They're going to have to yeah. drag Tillman back in order to deal with him or Cifuentes or whoever it is. And um, if they do that, that's going to limit their effectiveness in playing through the middle. And I think that's what they did in L.A. is they had Kinda and Tommy on the field at once, and that, that caused L.A. to struggle to play through the midfield because they weren't able to get guys high enough to create transition moments. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that you nailed it, and I think that that uh, that's definitely something for us to look for. Which means none How of exciting. that will happen, and we'll play a five. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll or <laughs> no, we're, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guarantee. Guarantee. Chirundolo uh, <laughs> might start trot out a five three two. He's done that. that Galaxy that he might. Shit. He might. He might do that. And then get. He then get run that. through the midfield like they didn't exist. I mean that 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 has happened. Um, anyway, I, I I agree. I was very tongue in cheek on that one, but um, I know you. Are. I, I I would be surprised to see them sit back against LA. I don't think that that is necessarily an effective tactic. I think they're going Especially to try to they're going to try to do what they want to do with the with the ball. But I also would expect it to be a little bit chaotic for a while where because both teams yeah. counter press so aggressively that it's going to be a lot of like gain possession, lose possession. And that's what that's what happened in the first match. While it was um, high quality as far as the quality of play that was happening, there was a lot of possession changing hands very often. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's I think that that's a fair thing to look for. You know, maybe not maybe not a lot of clear cut scoring chances. So um, that leaves the that leaves the game in the hands of the elite players like, you know, like Bella and Bolito and, and Boanga. So for sure. All right. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. And on that note, I'm Drew. He's Cody. We will talk to you all next week. Bye bye.